G'day, guys. It is the coach here. Sorry, I'm laughing my backside off because Luke and I have had amazing discussion, a lot of banter before we kicked off. This is Talking Slanesh, and um, I'm really excited to talk about the Slanesh book because, unfortunately, Slanesh did cop not one nerf, not two nerf, not three nerf. They copped a whole bunch of beatings over the last six to 12 months, and they were the boogeyman. They're now not so much. I wanted to talk to Luke, who's been doing incredibly well in the Australian scene with Slanesh, to talk about what the rules look like in 2020 and how he's making the most in his lists. Um, Luke Dorman, um, that's my really bad <laughs> Pommy accent. We tried to explain how he did it. That was horrible. But Luke uh, comes to us. He came, he's done really well in Australia. So he's gone, come 23rd at CanCon, which was uh, 220 players, came second recently in a tournament just this month. Um, Cinder 4 Gaming District um, had a tournament, and he's also come 14th at SAGT. So uh, it's great to have someone of Luke's caliber talking us through the heated arts of Slanesh. Luke, g'day. G'day, mate. How are you going? Good. We're just having a laugh because Luke is wearing a New South Wales jersey. He is drinking a Queenslander beer, lives in Adelaide, but he's a pommy. <laughs> So uh, talk about gender, I said gender, identity confusion. <laughs> well, you know, it's all the range these days. <laughs> How did you get into, I guess, Age of Sigma and why, why Slanesh? Um, I'm really excited about this because I, I still think there's merit in the book. I think a lot of people with Slanesh have kind of, you know, are, are very, very sour. You know, they changed the depravity. They've made some of the things like the Keeper of Seekers more, more expensive. They've made these continual changes to the book, and I think some people have kind of put them on the shelves for a little bit. And the irony of uh, just recently, they've just had the, the Games Workshop announcement that the next box set is going to be Daughters of Cain and Slanesh. And, like, I was talking to Liam, and Liam's like, oh, man, I'm going to buy it. I wonder if someone wants to buy Slanesh. I'm like, no one no wants one. to buy Slanesh no. right now. Uh, basically, in our group in South Australia, everyone's been uh, trying to flog me, and I'm like, I've already got it, and no, thank you. No, thank you, you are the Necrons of Indominus. Everyone wants the Space Marines. No one wanted the Necrons. And if you're a Necrons player, you are laughing your well, backside off. Yeah, but... I, did like, I do like the Necrons, yeah. <laughs> but I still, I still think they've got merit. I still think they are competitive. Absolutely. I think they're good. I think they're not as what people would say is busted or broken or um, as bad of a bad time as some people had by always fighting last. So I don't think it's quite the time to put your toys away. But I think there's going to be some things you need to think about differently in order to get the most of them in the competitive scene. Luke, is that your assumption based off your last tournament? Yes, uh, the tools exist. Um, if you want to be highly competitive, the tools still exist because you've got a, a range and a wealth to draw from, from Slaves to Darkness, who uh, have some great stuff to stick in there. And uh, the abilities, the allegiance abilities can still score your win. Uh, there are a couple of very bad matchups, but they still can make it. I still uh, I'm convinced I can take out first place, and we'll see how we go with that. But uh, I still think they can be up there with the uh, right pilot. Yeah, and I, I think so too. I think that uh, in the meta as well, maybe the return of shooting makes it a little bit harder for Slanesh. But I don't think that it's going to be the wooden spoon. You're going to be coming last because you don't have the tools. Uh, you're not Sylvaneth. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah. If you're a Sylvaneth player, you're not Sylvaneth. You're not Legions of Nagash. Uh, there is still merit, but there's still a, a little bit of a rethinking of how 
you build the list. No longer can you just put two or three keepers of secrets, a lawnmower, no. and then you know three basic battle line. There's something different that we need to build into into our lists. Absolutely. I mean, you you can be a solid three two army uh, in most tournaments, in my opinion, and you can push that up with some elevated play and favorable matchups. Definitely. Which is where we want to be. You know, you want an army to be around that yeah. three three wins, two losses. And if you go four and one or five and oh, it's because of you as a player who's practiced and skilled, not because the army's completely busted and you just push it up the board and yeah, Merry Christmas, yeah. you've you've won a major tournament. Yes, absolutely. And I agree with that. Um, uh, for, fortunately, when I, when I first started playing it, uh, I didn't get everything together until after the first FAQ. So I never had the pleasure of playing with the busted... Um, the busted summoning list, but uh, I'm sure it was pretty nasty at the time. It looks horrible, to be honest, but yeah. It was a bit nasty. I did play against yeah. it a few times. But the good news is, is you're going to talk us through some of your thinking. And before I get into that, I want to understand what drew you to Slanesh. You know, is it is it the sexy pink? Is it the um, <laughs> is it the claws? Like what, what, what drew you to this army opposed to all the other armies? Uh, well, uh... I was an old school fantasy player in my youth uh, growing up. Usual sort of story. Um, I mainly played Dark Elves and uh, Tomb Kings back in the day, but I always, always loved the uh, Diaz uh, Demonettes. Loved that model. Shame about the old uh, squid head and the old goat heads. That was the uh, the thing that always put me off uh, collecting Slanesh. Uh Sold all my stuff, left uh, UK around about 8th edition. Always kept my eye on sort of uh, what's going on and uh, got back into it on AOS 2. Picked up Nighthaunt. But then uh, as soon as I saw the, the new Keeper, that was it. I was like, this is gorgeous. That's, that's this an incredible This is the model. most just... insane model. Oh, I just loved it. I loved every single sculpt that came out. And I was that was it. I'm on. I'm on. And uh, not only just that as well, I actually even got the uh, Creature Cast Keeper of Secrets, which is one of the best models I've ever seen. I absolutely love that model as well. Uh, so for me, the aesthetics of it, and uh, I even have the old Diaz Demonettes. So I don't even have any of the, the new ones, just the old Diaz ones, because I love I've got that the model. I've got the fourth edition Crab Claw ones as well. So oh, God. I, I, I have the Juan the Juan. The older style, and then even the older, older style with his yeah. absolute crab. The old, the, the old fiends, the old fiends. They were something else. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, but de definitely aesthetics at first. Uh, well, when I saw how the army played, uh, I knew it was for me. Uh, I've always been a, a speed glass cannon sort of player, and uh, this was hundred percent my style. Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, I've always been drawn by the. The style. Um, I was been. I've been painting. Um, uh, is it Seleski? The, yes, the two model. Yeah. The, the the two. You know, the guy Beautiful and the girl model. on top. Yeah. Wonderful model. And I think for me, that's where I get drawn by Slanesh. So, back in Warhammer Fantasy days, I talk about being an Empire player for a long time. But I had a little side detachment of Zench and Slanesh, and yeah. I always loved Slanesh because of the style. It was so different, and you got this like beauty but also this pain and you've got these interesting colors things like purples and pink that yes, i wasn't normally using yeah. and you kind of blend it into skin color and you know there's there's some really interesting kind of design behind it that for me is why i've, I've been drawn to slanesh never really played it in age of sigma but 
the the beauty of the sculpts i i think it'd be pretty hard to find more beautiful sculpts than this particular range yeah they're beautiful they're absolutely beautiful also uh the story the, the idea of slanesh is something that really appeals to me i mean even across the 4k universe the old warmer fantasy just the fact that the elves were so you know so uh you know deprived and uh disgusting and that it just uh the civilization just created slanesh through pure hedonism uh i don't know why that drew me to him but uh, i just love the story i always thought it was great that they they birthed this this ultimate this being out of their own hedonism so uh yeah always love the story as well i get the and feeling in, that and, and also in age of sigma sorry to interrupt just the idea that the uh because i like most people i'm waiting for the dark elves that's uh when they do return but just the idea the elves have chained him up that's that's fantastic i absolutely love the storyline there as well it's uh pretty cool yeah i i will say that i'm waiting for hopefully fingers crossed the cult of slanesh the combination of daughters of cain that would and, be and yeah. and slanesh they did it in warhammer fantasy battles is like a bit yes, of like a yeah, little journal i would love them to and i actually thought funnily enough that Warhammer community box was the launch. Yes. Of, I thought that was going to be I the launch of the cult of Slanesh. They've done, the, they've done it. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone uh, doesn't know, it was a combat. It was a combination army that you could do that was Slanesh and what was the old dark elves, but specifically the daughters of Cain. And basically yeah. that was actually an army. So, um, the, fingers they, crossed. Well, yeah. I mean, essentially Slanesh is the elven chaos God in my eyes. So, for me, yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. Love it. I that. get the feeling that that box set is going to mean that you guys are going to come back in a new form. So I don't think you're going to be three yeah. and twoing for long. But I want to talk about the allegiance. I want to talk about the terrain piece. I want to talk about two lists that you've provided to us. So you've been kind enough to provide us two different style of lists that we're going to unpack. But before we unpack that, I want to get your understanding and really take me through a few things like depravity, take me through some of the logic behind depravity. Um, because depravity for me is, uh, it seems like a really simple mechanic, but there's some really good decision making that you need to go through in order to make the most of this resource because depravity is your primary resource. Yes, and uh, I have a magic number for depravity uh, that all Slanesh players should be looking to get, and that is uh, 28 depravity, which will get you... down, 28. That will get you two units of 10 demonettes. That's it? Is that what you get? That's what you get, and that's how you win games. That's how you win games. All right, so just to take a step back first. So uh, if I'm picking up Slanesh for the first time, I get this allegiance ability that is um, depravity. Uh, now, basically, depravity, what's going to happen is those depravity points, and, and you fill in the gaps or tell me if I'm wrong, the depravity points are able to summon units. So the way you generate depravity points is each time you cause a wound or a mortal wound on an enemy model made by an attack made by a Slanesh hero, or a spell cast by a, a, a friendly Slanish hero. The model can't be slain, though. So if you do a mortal wound on a regular Joe with one wound, you don't get the, the, the depravity. However, if you were to hit a Stormcast hero or an Ogre or an Orc who has multiple wounds, basically those wounds, not killing, will generate depravity if it's from a hero 
uh, spell or just, you know, by the tack. Yep, that's correct, um, yes. Yep, and then also when your heroes take damage but don't die. Yes. And as a caveat, um, something that you need to be aware of when you're Slanesh players, you do not gain depravity from abilities. So... Um, What's an for example instance, of an ability? So, so for instance, the, the chariot's uh, impact hits are an ability. You don't get depravity for that. You don't get depravity for that. Um, I believe uh, the keepers, uh, uh, the uh, where the keeper offers uh, offers the gift to have plus one to attack, or, and if you don't accept. Um, the end of the combat phase, uh, you gain, you take D three mortal wounds. That's not that's an ability. You don't gain depravity for that. Uh, is that so in the, the FAQ somewhere, or where, where is that coming from? Uh, it's it's in the I believe it's in the uh, feast of depravities. And it, I, said, I think it is in the FAQ as well. I'm sure. Yeah, you do. Okay. You don't get it for abilities. I'm hundred percent sure. Yes, because it does says uh, each time uh, the wound or a mortal wound is inflicted by an enemy by an attack. So it explicitly says an attack. Um, yes, which, not an ability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So, so man, you, that, you get, that's just something you've got to think about because uh, you can. Act, let's say probably at the start of the genuine slanesh, maybe I will have you know accidentally taken some depravity for using that when uh, when then realizing afterwards you're not supposed to do that. So that is something you've got to think about as well. All right, so you're looking for attacks, you're looking for spells by your Slanish heroes, yes. uh, as well as when your Slanish heroes take a wound, that is yep. not negated. So if they take a, a, a some type of ward save or if they're able to make their armor save, they, they don't count. No, they don't count. And also endless spells do not count either. So with your depravity points, you're able to summon. Now I have, uh, for anyone who's watching on YouTube, I have uh, cut and paste the FAQ. So if you're looking at your battle tome and you're thinking, Anthony, these numbers don't match up to my battle tome, that is because they were FAQ'd and the points had changed. Some of them quite dramatically, but uh, basically they got more expensive to summon certain things. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, This is the table I uh, basically have played with uh, the whole time I've been with Sunesh. Uh, as when I finished my collection, basically the FAQ dropped as soon as I was ready to start playing. So uh, after I'd finished painting. Luke, when we're playing together at a tournament or whatever it might be, are all of these units viable? Because I'm looking at this, you know, one Keeper of Secrets is 45 depravity points. Um, you've already already obviously mentioned 28 is that magic number for 20 demonettes. You know, I can bring on five Seekers for 15 points. There's obviously a whole bunch of demons you can summon for Slanish. Yeah. Are they, are they all worthwhile taking? Is there, no. is there no. times that you think some are better? Like, talk me through the, 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 the thinking and the process and what becomes priority for you in different situations. So so what you need to think about when you're a Slanesh player is that you are going to be outnumbered. You are going to be outnumbered. And, and, and from that, if you play another smart player, by turn three, you're going to be behind on victory points because you've got more than likely less numbers than your opponent. So you need to be in a position where you want to summon numbers on objectives towards the end of the game, is, and that's generally when you will win. So you want to be looking at the demonettes um, because um, basically, well, they provide numbers and objectives, and that, that's, that's the best thing to summon. And I can't stress enough, 
Uh, they also get, if you need to make a charge for a tag onto an objective, they get a free reroll charge as well, which is also very effective. Even if you summon in 20 demonets, you, know, you can dish out a little bit of damage and get that last couple of points at the end of the the end of the phase and uh, win yourself the game. Um, other than that, summoning-wise, uh, the only other things I've summoned, really, is... Um, oh, this is a bit of a cheat, and that is the Forge World Keeper of Secrets, or the Soul Feaster, which uh, actually only costs 30 Depravity to summon on its War Scroll, because it doesn't pile in and fight twice. That's quite a nice one to bring on. Um, Summoned a couple of Seekers a couple of times. They've done okay. Uh, if you get them on early, that's fine, because you can run off and capture an objective. But you you really got to think about capturing objectives. I mean, summoning, uh, summoning a Chariot, you know, it's okay, but it's by the time you've got that point, you need bodies and objectives by that point. And, uh, yeah, other than that, uh, there is a neat trick you can do with the summoning. Uh, you'll summon a Vice Leader and then Chain Summon. If you need to get something to the other side of the board to jump an objective to win, uh, that's another effective way. But you, you're generally looking at Demon X for summoning. So let me, let me pause you there. There's two things I want to clarify. Um, first off, you mentioned that you will be outnumbered. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is what I see mostly in Slanesh lists, is that in the traditional 2,000-point battle, a lot more of your points are going towards heroes than the average list because that's how you're going to generate your depravity. So um, it, before General's Handbook 2020, you'd often see two, maybe even three Keepers of Secrets. You probably saw a good 1,000 points, maybe if not more, going into Heroes because the more depravity you could generate early, the more summoning you put on the board, and then you essentially get a 2,500, maybe even a 3,000-point army through depravity. Is yeah. that is that where you're coming from when you say that you will likely be outnumbered? Yes, I mean just about uh, my Cancon army, for instance, I had seventeen models, seventeen models. That was it, and uh, sorry, eighteen models, eighteen models. I had two keepers and Archeon, three units of five Hellstriders. That was it. That's the whole army, and uh, I'm fight fighting legions in the Gash, and they've got you know. Uh, 90 Grimgrass Reapers, you know, I'm outnumbered from the start. And uh, that's how you've got to think. You've got to think that you're going to be behind on points. And you've got to think, how can you get to the point by turn four and five where you can win the game and you win it through the summoning at the back half of the game? Yeah. Yeah, and one of the easiest ways to beat Slanesh is going to be to take out those heroes because the moment you take out those heroes, you deny the depravity, you deny the options where summoning might occur. So this is where you don't want to put all of your eggs in the hero basket and you don't want to take, you know, three battle line, you know, cheap battle line, but you do want to make the most of your allegiance ability. So really think about, and we'll obviously go through a couple of Luke's lists as an example. But think about how you can start maximizing it and what you're going to need to do. I can see some things here uh, are, are really good choices. Some of them you're probably like, oh, they're probably situational if it was required for a certain reason on, you know, particular opponent or a particular yeah. uh, battle plan that you're playing. Look, if you're having fun with your mates and uh, you, you just want to have a, a nice casual game, then, uh, yeah, summon three fiends or something. That'll be cool and see what happens. Uh, but if, you, if you're looking to win a competitive game, then uh, you, you're really looking at demonettes. And 
if if you get lucky, a keeper as well. One of the two keepers. Uh, yeah, because leave, that's what you need to feet. do. Yeah. Leave your fiends at home. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, I haven't even bothered building mine. So that's how much I think of those uh, guys. So, yeah. All right. So, so that's the depravity. We'll talk a little bit more about lists in a minute. A couple of other things you're going to get by taking the allegiance is one, you uh, take the host of Slanish. So after you've choose, chosen your Slanish allegiance, you must choose a host. So your host could either be an invader, a pretender, or a god seeker. So depending on which one you take is going to be a whole bunch of rules that will come with it. I'm not going to dig into this one just yet because Luke has provided two different lists in two different hosts, and we'll talk about the host when we get there. So we, so just know that you once you've chosen the host uh, Slanesh, you then need to choose either Invaders, Pretenders, or Godseekers. That's correct. Uh, two other things. Uh, well... One, one I, I don't think I've ever seen used ever, which is the Euphoric Killers, which is the unmodified hit rolls uh, by a Chaos... Oh, actually, no, no, it's a light. Sorry, I was thinking it said Chaos Spawn. I don't know why. I'm losing the plot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing the plot. I'm like, I've never seen a, a Chaos Spawn from Slanesh. No. So the Euphoric Killers is the unmodified hit roll for the attack made by a melee weapon by a Chaos Slanesh model is a six. That attack inflicts two hits to their target instead of one, make wound and save rolls, uh, et cetera, et cetera. If the attack uh, model has has 20 or more models, it does three hits with an unmodified six roll. So you're basically going to double or triple your attacks on a dice roll of six by Chaos Slanesh. Talk to me about this rule. Uh, how, do you, how do you use it? Yeah, so it is actually quite an important rule. Um, when combined with... Uh, a few abilities such as the Fane and um, uh, a couple of the Allegiance abilities, uh, mainly in Pretenders, um, it lets you go fishing for sixes, essentially, because sixes on the Keepers, that's where you want it. You want the sixes on the big claws that do five damage each, and then you're in, you, you know, you double, you can sometimes, if you get lucky, you get a couple of sixes or... And, and take it from me, uh, the Keepers of Secrets are swingy, very swingy. And uh, the six, just just one six can uh, brighten your smile up, I'll say that. Um, other than that, uh, they're very, it, it just adds that extra bit of uh, oomph, extra bit of oomph. I don't think I've ever had the uh, 20 Demonets one. I don't think that's ever happened for me. Or if I have had twenty demons, and I've probably forgot that they do two hits each. Um, so, if, so it's, it's it's you if your unit is twenty or more models, not yeah. your opponent. You're not attacking a, a twenty or more models. No, it's you. It's you. You have to have other twenty models. Yeah, definitely. And uh, what it is nice and tasty for again, if you reach into the pool of slaves to darkness, uh, it's very nice, especially for the big fella. Uh, Archeon, who uh, is looking to get a couple of extra sixes to hit with the old Sword of Judgment, get your opponent sweating then uh, when you're rolling to wound with uh, maybe six or seven dice. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, why Why my mind read ca ca Spawn? I, I read Chaos Spawn, not Chaos Slash. <laughs> my mind is tr like three <laughs> steps ahead and, and completely losing the plot. No, that is a good rule. That is a very good rule because it obviously rewards you for your battle line units if they're in a horde 
or they're going to reward you with your your combat monsters so uh re and then obviously that just creates more opportunity to to generate depravity especially yep. if you're you know you, you keep his claws doing five wounds that's potentially five additional depravity off one six that's pretty yep. sweet yeah I, I mean all the allegiance abilities go together so brilliantly it's uh it's really synchronizes nicely the last one you're going to get is the 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 bane of most people's existence <laughs> that is locus of diversion so uh locus probably needs no explanation but if you are picking this up for the first time or you're trying to understand how slanesh is kicking your butt it is because at the end of the charge phase each friendly hedonite's hero that's within six of an enemy can create a locus of diversion if you do uh, if they do so pick one enemy unit that's within six of the hero uh, and then enroll a dice adding two if the hedonite hero is a greater demon so that we're talking about um we're talking about seleski we're talking about uh the um, keeper of secrets we're talking about the greater demon of slanish are they the only greater demons uh there's exalted greater demon but uh that's what i'm thinking thing. of yeah. that's the, yes. the forge world one yes yeah. that's what i meant yeah. not the greater demon the exalted that's the forge yeah there's world an model. exalted one and um yeah there is a, a named character called the uh soul soul feaster as well which so if basically... you got that sorry go on, Luke. Yeah. yeah yeah so the soul feaster is the same model as the exalted greater demon and you can uh well interchange them but yeah but the, the greater demon, the actually, it's interesting. The, the exalted greater demon is completely different from the other keepers as well. So uh, we'll touch on that later. But yeah. So if your Hedonite hero rolls a four, or your Hedonite hero greater demon, so we're looking for the keyword greater demon, is a uh, is a two plus uh, because you do gain plus two uh, if it's a greater demon. Basically, what happens is after the players have picked, uh, sorry, 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 that uh, that enemy unit fights at the end of the the, the combat phase. So um, you can't pick the same unit as the target for the ability more than once in the charge phase. So whether it's successful or not, you've just got to pick a different unit. And basically, it's either a four plus or a two plus, depending if it's a hero or if it's a greater demon hero. Just to clarify, a bit of wishful thinking there. It's it's actually changed to a three plus now. And That's right. That was another FAQ. Areas. That was the I first nerf, and uh, yes, uh, <laughs> you do fail it a lot more these days, definitely. So again, check out your FAQ. Yes, I 100% remember that. It is. It, it was only a, a plus one, or it was. Yes. Yeah, it was. So basically, three plus or a four plus, your opponent is fighting last. So. That just means, again, more depravity is coming your way. You're going to be able to do more damage. You're not going to take less damage from your opponent, and you're just going to generally annoy them by making them fight last. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is my favorite, definitely my favorite uh, rule because uh, I'm not a nice person, and uh, <laughs> I enjoy enjoy the pain on their face. It's great to play a bit of psychological warfare with this as well. It's a bit of, bit of poker going on because you can really say to your opponent, really get in their head and be like, Look, I know you want to come in here, but I'm just going to remind you again. For roll a three plus, you're fighting last, and then uh, yeah, I'm going to get to pile in three times and four times and probably kill you. So just just letting you know, just letting you know, and it really makes opponents think twice about coming anywhere near you. Puts them off the game plan with their big bad units, and uh, yeah, it's a great rule. 
It's a jerk rule. Uh, you also get a terrain. You also get a terrain piece. Yes. Um, you also get a terrain piece that you get if you are a Legion Slanesh. Um, talk to me a little bit about the Fane, and then talk to me where do you put it? Like, what's again? What's some of the thinking behind where you put this terrain piece down? This is this is a difficult one because it's actually can be encumbering as well. Um, Early on when I was playing, I was putting it in the wrong place at all times. It's going to be more than three inches away from other terrain as well. And you generally, you want it next to your keepers. You want it next to a keeper that's going to um, it's going to prick itself and then it gets to re-roll its hits till the next, to the end of the next phase. Or if uh, Archeon, you've got Archeon in your uh, army and you want him to prick himself so he re-rolls his hits. Uh, the problem is the bases are very big and there's a lot of terrain on the table. So sometimes it's worth just taking taking the uh, kick at the start and uh, putting it behind your units. Um, and if you've got a little hero just hanging around the back as well, he's okay to just you know just just be within twelve as well. So you get you know you get D three D three depravity back. Uh, buy one get one free if you if you summon near it as well. But uh, so I just I yeah sorry I generally put it behind. Yeah okay. I was but, just going to clarify. Just, I just wanted to clarify that when you say you prick yourself, we're talking about the damned um, the conduit. Um, we're talking about the second rule where basically at the, stand, at the start of the enemy hero phase, you pick one friendly chaos slanish hero within six of the terrain feature, make a sacrifice. Basically, uh, you roll a dice on a one, nothing happens. On a two plus, uh, you can re-roll hit rolls for the attacks made by the hero. Um, but you do take one mortal wound by doing yes. that ability. That's what we're talking about here. If you're like, I can't, I can't find the prick rule. Uh, it's that <laughs> rule. <laughs> well, you're playing Slaness. So. <laughs> all the rules, all the rules are the prick rules. Yeah. 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 So it, it's nice that, you know, taking, t sometimes taking that um, one point of um, that one mortal wound, actually just tips you over the edge to get you what you want on your summoning list as well. A few times, just needed one extra at the start of the turn and just, yep, I'll just uh, stab myself on the fan, take a mortal wound, and, uh, yeah, I've, I've got enough to summon my 10 demonets, and uh, it's very good. And plus, re-roll into the hit again, Synch synchronizes in with the uh, fishing for sixes. If you're going in and you want to fish for sixes with your keeper a secret, you just re-roll those hits. The other rule that we didn't talk about with the prick is um, instead of taking the mortal wound, you can sacrifice your artifact of power, and uh, the artifact of power is no longer to be used throughout the game. But on the two plus, you get the reroll. So if you don't want to take the mortal wound, or if you're worried about you know dropping down a bracket, uh, there's another way. So th there's you know if you've got a whole bunch of artifacts for a battalion that you just don't quite need, you could take a sacrificial but uh, artifact to throw into the fire and get yourself some rerolls. Yeah, so the item that generally is used is the, um, I believe it's the fan, uh, not the fan, um, the cameo of the Dark Prince, which is in, um, not Invaders, in uh, God Seekers, which you uh, will give you, you basically use it once, gives you a command point and then it's useless, so you might as well just throw it into the uh, fan and try and get reroll hits uh, for the rest of the game. As long as you don't roll that one, uh, you're good to go.
Yeah, sweet. And obviously the 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 power of Slanesh, you talked about it, is basically a rebate. So if you summon within 12 of the terrain feature, you get D3 depravity points back. So basically it's a little rebate that you you get for summoning near the terrain piece. Yeah, and just so people aren't confused, because I've met a few people who sort of had a go at playing Slanesh, but never really got into it. You don't summon from the fane. There's a there's a big stigma that you can summon out of the fane. Um, yeah, you cannot summon out of the fane. It has to be from a hero. Yes, because when you summon, it has to be within twelve inches of the hero, a hero, but as also uh, outside of nine inches from an enemy. Absolutely, and the fane doesn't count the summoning point, even though it looks like one. Uh, yes, it's not a summoning point. No, and, and, and nowhere in the Allegiance ability does it say that you can summon from the terrain piece, nor does on the Fane War Scroll, does it mention you can summon from the terrain piece. It's merely just going to give you a rebate. Much like the uh, Flesh Eater Courts, you, you can be next to the terrain feature and uh, not spend a command point. So um, that's how it works as opposed to it's not, a, it's not a summoning point. No, no, don't get confused with that. Any additional thoughts or comments when it comes to the Fane? Um, like, obviously, you don't want to block yourself in combat, thinking about where you want to position it. You know, do you want to try to summon off it and get your D3 command points? Do you just want to do it first and, you know, do the the damned rule and then just kind of run run forward? Any other thoughts that you've got around the Fane? Yeah, I, I think uh, depending on what your list is, um, you can use it in different ways. I wouldn't worry too much about the D3 uh, back or summoning near it. That's just like a Brucey bonus if it happens. Um, other than that, you're looking because it can be useful as well. Because again, you lower model count. You can block an avenue to an objective for a, an enemy, uh, make it hard for them to get through there or funnel their big units through to you, which which works for you if you can just get what if they can only get four of their their hard guys in uh, Maltec Guard or whatever. Then you can just put one keeper in. You can. Um, sort of block them off and make it hard for you. So it's one of those it's one of those things where it can get in your way, but it can also be useful in getting your opponent's way as well. So uh, it's one you've got to think about. It's not as impactful as some people, some terrain, but uh, I think you're right. Uh, the power of Slanesh rule is nice. I probably wouldn't build a strategy around around it. So... Uh, I think you just kind of filter yourself down a particular part of the table that may not be optimized for what you're trying to achieve, which is ultimately depravity, which is ultimately summoning bodies, which is ultimately killing your opponent. Yes. Yep. All right. Do you want to get into the first list? Yeah, let's go. Yep. Cool. So Luke has given us two lists. The first one is a Godseekers list. So we're not going to go through the artifacts and every little piece uh, of the Godseekers, but I want to put a bit of context around the first list. So when you choose the God Seekers of the host, you get a couple of things. You get plus one charge, uh, plus one to the charge rolls for units in a God Seeker army. So that's pretty sweet. I think it's pretty pretty obvious. Yep. Uh, obviously, it ties again into the summoning. Uh, you summon those ten demonettes. Uh, you got to get on that objective to tag a unit. Uh, you get a an eight plus re-rolling to get on that uh, objective. You know, last turn, second to last turn, scores you those points. You get the Hedonite, uh, so the Godseeker's Hedonite host, which, uh, so on page 78, so this is a, is this a battalion? So you get, your army must contain zero to two uh, Epicurean revelers, 
uh, battalion. Oh, this, this is this is the this is the super battalion. Yeah, it's just um, uh, you, you kind of read past that. It's not it's not really important. All right, so that's a super battalion. If you're playing in like a three thousand point battle, happy days. Yeah. But um, okay, so it's, it's supercharging that. Yeah. So the other one is the uh, the manacle hunters. So at the end of your charge phase, uh, you receive D three to property points. If any friendly Godseekers host unit made a charge move in that phase. If three or more friendly Godseeker, Godseeker host units made a charge uh, in that phase, you receive D6 depravity points instead of D3. Okay. Yeah, so this 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 happens. This is the best one out of uh, each of the abilities. Each of the allegiances has a way to gain some, but this is definitely the best one, and you're generally going to be making three charges a turn. Uh and you get your plus one, so uh, you're generally going to be making it. You're going to be making D6 depravity extra. So you get the plus one to the charge roll because of your Godseeker rules, and then you're going to once you do charge, if you do um, three or more, you're going to get D6 depravity points, or if you just do a charge, you get D3. So um, that's that's pretty sweet. Absolutely, every little helps. Definitely. Would you? Would you hold anything back and try to do a second wave of getting more D3s or would you just not worry and just whatever needs to charge charges? Look, you, you, you just got to make that decision in context of the game. Um, this particular list, uh, uh, there's going to be a fair few charges early on with the way I'm thinking of running it. This is a, a reasonably new list. I tried it out the other day and uh, it worked quite well. <laughs> I had a lot of depravity. This is a big depravity generation uh, machine, this one, basically, this list. So, All right, well, let's yes. talk about it. So list number one, podcast listeners, in case you can't see. So it is Allegiance uh, Slanesh. You are the Godseeker host. Um, you have, surprise of the century, a whole bunch <laughs> of heroes. You have a Keeper of Secrets. That is your general. It is the command trait of Thrill Seeker. It has Sinistrous Hand. It has Artifact of the Girdle of the Realm Racer. It then has the Parvain of Slanesh Spell. You then have what? not one, not two, not fee, three. You have three Blade Bringer Heralds of Exalted Chariot, Herald on Exalted <laughs> Chariot. You have Shalaxi Hellbane with the Living Whip. And then you have an exalted hero of chaos. So that is one, two, three, four, five. That's six. Six heroes. You've maxed six, out on heroes six. in your traditional two thousand point list. So taking it from the top, we've got the keeper of secrets with that general uh, thrill seeker, the the hand, the girdle, the parvain of slanesh. Talk me through why is this your general? Talk me through your options and what does this bring to the table? Yeah. Uh, so basically, thrill. This is this is. Um... I'm playing this a little bit different. So in this list, the keeper hangs back with Shalaxi and the chariots go forward. So, and, and a caveat, I forgot to put the, I've got another item on one of the uh, Hellbringer chariots, Exalted Chariots has uh, the circle of iron, which uh, stops a unit from fleeing. So it holds it in place. Uh, but the keeper has got run and charge and it's got fly. Now, unfortunately we lost his, um, as items from malign sorcery he so, lost them right a cloak yeah which was a far superior so this one actually makes you lose a wound so the keeper's down to 13 wounds but it flies it runs and charges and it's got the spell that lets you either heal d3 or uh, d6 wounds to the keeper uh basically 
that keeper and Shalaxi go and deal with anything that is nasty. Anything that's anything that's coming around, sniffing around like a uh, you know a maw crusher or uh, a couple of uh, frost lords thunder thunder tusks or uh, anything that anything that the opponent's got nasty coming to you. Uh, these guys go off and they deal with that. With the added benefit that the keeper, should you need to, can basically go, uh, you know, twenty. It'll go twenty inches, and then it'll charge two d six plus one, so it can uh, fly over the top of whatever and get into those little squishy heroes if you need to. If the opponent makes a mistake, I just reread the rules of the Parvain of Slanesh spell, and I was like, holy wow! So you you cast it on a seven. If successfully cast, pick one enemy hero within six inches of the caster. And roll the dice, uh, roll the amount of dice equal to the hero's movement. For every five plus, they're going to suffer a mortal wound. So on your average little foot troop, you might get one or two mortal wounds if you're lucky. You go into something like, I don't know, like I'm thinking my my um, my dragon, which is like, you know, movement 14, movement 16, you know, a more crusher, some type of big monstrous mount. That's a lot of dice. That could be, you know, three to six mortal wounds uh depending on the the movement characteristic that's nice yeah uh so just as a caveat i haven't put the spells on the so the the other the other three uh so the blade bringer the first blade bringer has a spell that heals one mortal wound uh one one wound sorry or on a 10 plus it'll heal d3 wounds to a character uh the other that's born that's born that's born of damnation right yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, Shalaxi, Shalaxi has the uh, she has uh, the progeny of damnation, which is heal, uh, heal, heal again, which is D three wounds, but on a ten plus, he'll heal D six wounds. So her and the keeper hanging about, healing each other up. The other keeper's got the sinister hand, which will heal her up as well. All keepers should have the sinister hand, by the way, guys. Uh, uh, never leave home without it. And uh, the other two guys, the the chariot, the chariot that uh, has the uh, item that stops you from running running away, um, has hysterical frenzy, which is a an amazing spell if you can get it off. It's hard to get off, and uh, circumstantially being in the right place at the right time, it is fantastic. If you get it off on a big unit, you cause all kinds of trouble. So it's casting value of seven. You've got to pick something that's wholly within eighteen. Is it because uh, is it hard to get off because of the Holy Wheel yes. 18? Well, that, yeah. that's the idea of the item that the opponent cannot flee. So if you tag a unit with the Exalted Chariot, they're going nowhere, big unit. And then you can, if you get the double turn or whatever, you can uh, cast Hysterical Frenzy and uh, watch them cry if it goes off. So I imagine don't pick, don't cast that on a unit that is maybe strong out because that's going to be clearly hard yeah. to do an 18. But if you're bunched up, you're in ranks, you're kind of like holding an objective, boom, you're going to be holding within 18. Um, for every six, uh, so, you, sorry, so you pick a, uh, one enemy unit holding within 18 of the caster and roll one dice for each model in that unit. On a roll of a six, it's D3 mortal wounds. That's brutal. That, that oh, could be brutal. It is absolutely brutal. When it goes off perfectly, it is. It's fantastic, yeah. It, and again, because uh, it's, it's a spell, so you're gonna you're gonna generate depravity as well. Yes. So it's not just co it's not just combat. It is gonna be spells cast by the slanish heroes. Yes, it's very nice. It's very nice. 
And uh, the last chariot, uh, so the other chariot has just got uh, the heal spell. And uh, the other one just, uh, the other spells, yeah, you're starting to get into the realm where they're not so useful. The other one that's okay is Soul Slice Shards, which I take, um, which I generally take on uh, the third wizard or fourth wizard. Basically, it's a Banshee screen. So if anybody doesn't know that, that's 2d6, roll over the leadership and uh, subtract that many mortal wounds. Talk to me about the the bane uh, the blade bringer because I'm used to things having like the the contorted epitome. I'm used to um, the infernal raptress, but I'm, I'm seeing three blade bringer heralds on exalted chariots. Why so, why are you taking three lawnmowers? All right, okay. So this whole list is lawnmowers, but um, the idea is that I've had and I, I had this. Is, I had my first game the other day was. How can I maximize depravity? Okay, these guys have got 10, they've, well, they've got nine wounds each. The Keeper's got uh, 13 wounds. Shalaxi's got 14 wounds. So that's, you know, nearly 50 depravity just in my own stuff. And uh, with a whole lot of damage potential as well. And then I've got this little, little terrible exalted hero of chaos who hides at the back. And if things go sour, I've got 50 depravity to do whatever I want with. Plus mm. whatever I manage to kill of their heroes. I can, uh, I'm expecting, the, the game I had the other day, I think I had about 140 depravity through the whole game over the, uh, the whole game. So it worked out quite nicely. So it's worth probably mentioning as well, when you spend your depravity, it happens at the end of the movement phase. By having that little exalted hero of chaos at the back, that's awesome because you get, you're probably going to be away from enemies if you're hiding at the back, which just means you can start summoning heroes, you can start summoning bodies from that model because Shalaxi, the Keeper of Secrets, the, the Blade Bringer is all likely going to be in combat or within nine inches of an, an enemy. So it could be quite hard to bring on bodies with those combat peeps yeah absolutely it's uh and nobody wants to waste their resources on killing the little the little exalted hero could at the back of the board when you've got a couple of keepers and four uh, three lawnmowers coming at you so uh yeah he's there as backup um and uh if things go astray then you've got a bit of a get out of jail free card at the back of the board the Bladebringer has really good movement of 10. Um, I probably should clarify, unless I've missed something here, the Bladebringer has 10 wounds, not oh, 9 ten. wounds. Yeah, it is 10 yeah. wounds. I'm looking yeah, at. yeah, 10 right. wounds. Yeah, exactly. How dare you not remember all the characters? Oh, I know, God. Top of your head. How dare you? It's <laughs> oh, save. It, it, you know, it does some mortal wounds on the charge. It has a spell. Um, it's a hero. It's going to generate your depravity points. Um, a lot of attacks, you know, the piercing claws has nine attacks in there. The poison tongues has eight attacks. There's a lot of attacks in that in that particular model. So, yeah, it, I, I was actually surprised by how many attacks it actually has. Because um, if you tag two units, uh, its ability with its uh, the lawnmower blades is it gets uh, one extra attack for each uh, mortal wound that it's done to um, each unit. So all of a sudden you've got. Um, You've got n not nine attacks, you've got 11 attacks if you've tagged two units. And then you've got uh, with the uh, eight attacks and then the steeds have got 10 attacks. So you've got, you know, or the, the, they're okay attacks. And you and again, this is where the sixes come in as well. You, you, you can explode up 
you can get a hell of a lot of attacks out with these guys. And on top of their mortal wound output as well, um, they're quite nasty. They are quite nasty. The, and the base signature spell on the War Scroll as well, you cast it on a five, pick a unit within 18, you can re-roll hit rolls of one, um, which is pretty sweet as well. So uh, yeah. it saves you spending a command point, uh, or you're just going to do more damage from that sheer volume of attacks that come from the Bladebringer. Yep, yep. It's uh, it's uh, it can be quite nasty, and you know it, it's got four plus saves. Okay, it's okay, and uh, yeah, that's just nine depravity, just waiting to go. You can just throw three of those into uh, that whatever you want. Let them let them go crazy, and uh, when they get when they get when they die, that's another you know heap of depravity. I've played two of these, never three. Um, before I moved to Shalaxi, I'd love like. Why Why would you take three of those as opposed to, hey, or maybe just going one and getting another Keeper of Secrets? You know, that would be a very similar points um, allocation. What's the logic behind taking three of the Heralds of, heralds on Exalted Chariot? Well, uh, with the points increases, uh, you can't get a third one. I tried, and, uh, yes, you can't get a third Keeper. Uh but, no, but I mean, like, if, if you drop two of those blade bringers, that's four forty points. Ah, uh, yeah. That that would get you a that would get you a second keeper. What is what I'm saying? The 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 problem with the keepers is they are so swingy, and um, they just die so easily without. Uh, yeah, it's just too easy to concentrate on concentrate firepower these days, I suppose, by your enemies, and um, I I just. And they degrade as well. They degrade badly. That's why I'm thinking the, the Blade Bringers might be the way to go. Although I have PTSD from building three of them and three chariots, which is not being fun. They are horrible. You will prick yourself. Uh, you will you will get the, the mortal wound uh, to yourself because of the sheer amount of spikes on uh, that. Yes, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. Uh, I would but... I would rather handle a real uh, rose bush many times over before building another one of these. Oh, look, I, I never want to see one again, to be honest. <laughs> it's it's pretty terrible, yeah. Uh, I'm not selling them on the build front, but on the on the battlefield, they are handy. They are yeah. very handy. And they could if they, if you get if you, if you look out, you can, you know, you do seven or eight mortal wounds with one and uh yeah, you got three of them. That's a hell of a lot of mortal wounds. No, that's great. No, 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 I just wanted to ask the question because some people might be sitting there going, well, why would I just run another Keeper? And I think it was good. And by the way, folks, this is just showing off a couple of different builds. If you have three Keeper of Secret models and you love running Keeper of Secrets, then we're not telling you not to run them. This is just an example. You do you. But it's great to hear some logic and some thinking around different types of builds, especially with some of the points and rule changes that have recently yep. happened to Slanish. Yeah, uh, look, uh, I ran, I basically ran Archeon and two keepers for uh, in Pretenders, and it was devastating. It was a brilliant list, but the points changes up the list by almost over. I think it was about 120 points, which just made that list unrunnable anymore. And uh, it's time to look at a different solution. And I think uh, the sheer amount of depravity I get from this list is uh, potentially potentially uh gonna gonna come good yeah the heralds of exalted chariots have been something that has been a little bit of a, a a sleeper unit um some people have run one of them i don't think we've seen enough of them so 
I well, like nobody this. wants to build them. <laughs> nobody wants nobody to build, wants build it. 100%. Problem. Yeah. Shalaxi, yeah, you've got you, you've got our named keeper of secrets. You've got Shalaxi yeah. Hellbane. Same kind of thing. What does Shalaxi bring to the table? Again, why would I just not take another keeper of secrets instead of taking, you know, the named hero? Um Yeah, look, this this is a bit a bit of salt for me uh, personally. Because uh, I was convinced before the GHB that Shalaxi was going to go down in price. Uh, so I went and bought her and built her. And um, yeah, she went up in price. So uh, I was a little bit salty about that. So I've been trying to run her. And um, yeah, she's got, she's got to run with another keeper. If she runs with another keeper, she's fantastic. And she, she for me, performs a mini Archeon sort of build. She's scary. If, if somebody brings a big hero over, a keeper can fluff, a regular keeper can fluff easily, um, especially with only two attacks on the big claws. If you fail the Locust, you're in trouble. She's got uh, survivability. She's got a lovely little ability to draw in the uh, enemy a hero, her spell on a 4+. plus. She gets to re-roll her hits and uh, her armor saves. Her armor save goes up to a 3-plus against enemy heroes. Uh, she's got a nice 6-plus ward save as well. And, um, yeah, the Soul Piercer um, is Ren 3. Hits on 2s, wounds on 2s before degrading and uh, does against enemy heroes 6 damage. So you got a potential of um, you know, 16 damage. And that's if you don't roll any 6s to hit as well. So... She's nasty and deters enemy heroes for definite. Why? Why the living whip? Because you do get a weapon choice. You've got um, you've got two different weapon options for Shalaxi. What does the living whip bring to the table? Uh, it makes the enemy hero. I think you pick their monster, and it makes a minus one to hit. Pick one of the profiles. If, if this model is armed with the living whip at the start of the combat phase, you pick one enemy monster model within six inches of the model and roll of a dice. On a roller dice on a three pass pick a one melee weapon that the enemy monster model is armed with subtract one from the hit rolls by made by that melee weapon till the end of that combat phase look it can be clutch and uh by no means i'm saying this is better than the uh the shield um so uh yeah that's something i'm still experimenting with because uh, to be honest i've only I've only run her in uh, three, four, three or four games now, and she's she's going all right. She's actually going quite well. So uh, I've tried a couple of games with the shield and a couple of games with the whip. And um, if I was to be honest now, I'd probably lean more towards the shield. But uh, the whip has it's gone all right in one game in particular. It was pretty good. Well, there's a lot of monsters going around right now. I really like the irresistible challenge rule. That's something that reminds me. I'm playing a little bit of Warhammer Fantasy Battles right now. Yeah, and uh, this reminds me of Warhammer Fantasy yeah. Battles where if a hero is in a unit and challenges and there's another hero in the opposing unit, you can declare a challenge. And this irresistible challenge is something similar. You, at the start of the enemy charge phase, you pick one enemy hero within 12 of this model and more than three inches from, the, from any models in your army. Uh, you ask your opponent uh, if that hero is going to accept Shalaxi's challenge if they refuse, that hero takes D3 mortal wounds. If they accept, the hero must attempt to charge and must finish the charge move within half an inch of the uh, of that model, if possible, to do so. In addition, if the challenge is accepted, any attacks that hero makes uh, 
must target this model. So if that hero comes into Shalaxi, they've got to fight Shalaxi. They they can't split their attacks and go somewhere else. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Uh, no one has accepted yet. So there's been a few D3 mortal wounds handed out. So uh, yes, no one's no one's took her on yet, but uh... that that'd, that'd be cool to like take off like little wizards in the back, or yeah. you know these little like support heroes like that hag queen that's sitting at the back, or the war chanter that's sitting on the back. Yeah, no, it's nice for little damage like that, and um, if you do manage to get one of the endless spells in your list as well, the mirror is fantastic for that as well, and just little combos like that can really pick those little heroes off. I don't really want to be anywhere near her or uh, any keeper of secrets. You've also got the Exalted Hero on uh, of Chaos. Now, you've mentioned that it's a small wound hero that sits at the back. It's great to summon uh, units using your depravity points. Is that the only rule that the Exalted Hero of Chaos brings? Essentially, yeah. He doesn't, he's, he's not, he's not, uh, if anybody's ever read his war scroll, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty poor. Um, that's his job in this list. And now that, that may or may not change from this list. Um, May put in an endless spell instead, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But for the moment, it's just a nice little guy to stay at the back, so you can throw those chariots forward. You can throw your, your keepers forward and see what happens. If you if you really want to go for it, if you want to go for the double turn, because this is a low-drop army as well. Um, if you can get in and get that double turn with this this army, you're uh, laughing. But things, if, you lose that, if you lose that, you lose a few things. You've got your guy there, and he's ready to summon back on another keeper or um whatever you need because if if everything dies in this list except for that guy you've got 50 something depravity even if you haven't touched your enemy so you've got you know you've got a keeper you've got 10 demonets you, you you're still in the game yeah yeah and, and make no mistake having 50 depravity points can can again swing the game quite significantly when you bring that that keeper of secrets you know you could bring almost 40 uh demonets on the table so um, having that 90-point investment in the back I think is great. I think with the amount of shooting that's coming back into the meta, you certainly want to be protecting and keeping that line of sight blockage as much as possible in order to keep that hero. Uh, a smart hero, a, a, smart, a smart opponent will try to take out that hero uh, knowing what the plan is, but I think for most cases um, it's a good investment. If you've got a couple of points up your sleeve, maybe you change that hero to a different small foot troop hero that... Uh, I, I do like the strategy behind that. Yeah, that's the idea. I mean, uh, if I could fit the mask in there, that'd be great. Nice little hero, but uh, that's what I've got to play with so far. And uh, yeah, it's gone, it's gone okay. The other options you've got is you've got three units of one Seeker Chariots, and then you've wrapped this all up in a nice little bow with the Battalion Supreme Saberites. Why three Chariots? What does Supreme Saprites bring to the table? This comes in at a total of uh, 2,000 points, by the way. So it's 2,000 points on the nose. And it comes in at 81 wounds. So that is quite low for an average Age of Sigmar army. So again, we talked a little bit about uh, having less models, being overwhelmed by opponents. My Gits has like 160, 180 wounds. You know, my, my Cities of Sigmar is probably sitting around 140, 150. So almost half the wounds in this army you need to be smart with your choices. So why three units of one Seeker Chariots and then why Supreme Saberites? Uh So the Seekers, uh, I'm trying them out with the theme. Um, 
they are battle line. They are only battle line in this uh, in this um, God Seekers. God Seekers. Yeah. And uh, I've toyed with the idea of having units of three. The prob- problem is the bases are quite large with chariots. So game round terrain is uh, you know tricky at sometimes. But uh, they've got a nice little mortal wound. If you're going with a couple of them together, you get it. You get on average four mortal wounds, and you, you're going to kill screens. You're going to kill uh, smaller units. They've got a bit of toughness. Uh, you know, they're uh, armor save four. They're fast. They go twelve. They charge with the plus one as well. They can get where you need them to be, and um, in, even in combination with this, you can you can pair them off with an exalted chariot each. Just to give you that extra mortal wound buff, you you be you could average uh, you'd be averaging six seven mortal wounds when you go in plus all your attacks with them going together, which is nice. And uh, yeah, they're just they're just nice and mobile. Not a bad. I, I, I was gonna I was gonna ask you your three seeker chariots and three uh, exalted sorry the heralds on exalted chariots. Do they work as power pairs? Yeah, they're um, little buddies. Little buddies that come in on the side and just add that extra couple of mortal wounds. So you know you're averaging four or five mortal wounds with the uh, with the exalted on an average roll, and then you're averaging an extra two. So that you know seven mortal wounds straight off the bat before you even start fighting. You might make them fight last as well. There's a keeper around. You can make the exalted double pile in. Uh, yeah, they can be nasty little pairs. Yeah. I think for me, the one rule, I don't think we talked about it yet. The one rule that I absolutely love on the Seeker Chariots is the Impossibly Swift, which is allows you to retreat yes. and charge in the same turn. So if you if you went in with the, the Exalted Chariot and the Seeker Chariot, um, you know, and you get the double turn on your next turn, you your opponent's not able to kill the, the Seeker Chariot, you'd be able to retreat and kind of either, you know, leap a screen or get around a screen. Again, movement 12, it's a very nice movement. And get into a squishy hero to kind of get into the backfield to challenge an objective. Um, there's some some nice things you can do with retreat and charge. That is uh, a, a pretty under um, underappreciated rule. So it, by you having it, that's sexy. Yeah, it's very fun. It's very good rule. And you think you're going over the board, you're going 12, and you're charging with the plus one. You get the double turn. You re- you can retreat, yeah, and you're you're at the other side of the board. You're at the other side of the board. You where the yeah. enemy doesn't want you to be, and you're going you're going fast, and you're uh, you you can be dangerous. You know, little heroes, they're in trouble. I'm so fo- I'm, and I'm so focused on taking out uh, the keepers of secrets, Shalaxi. I'm so exactly. t- I'm so focused on killing the heroes that I'm probably not going to be thinking about the retreating and charging uh seeker chariots and hell if i'm in combat with the herald on exalted chariot and a seeker chariot i'm probably going to put my attacks in the hero chariot not the battle line chariot and then that's where you punish me for not focusing or tying that up yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's a people get uh people get scared of those keepers and their uh their eyes just drift on that meanwhile the little chariots are going around uh, mowing things over it's uh yeah definitely good and then supreme samurai kind of wraps it all up so the supreme saburites is three to six chaos slanish heroes so basically that's all of your heroes and that's why you probably see it almost in every slanish because there's no reason why you wouldn't at the start of your hero phase, roll the dice on a if the roll is less than or equal to the amount of heroes from this battalion that are on the battlefield, you receive one command point. 
yep necessary in this definitely uh you need command points unless he's command point greedy very greedy and um you you must it's a must take especially giving you a four drop you uh you generally want your opponent to go first depending on the list but or, or the deployment whether you're 18 away or 24 you want your opponent to come to you in most cases so uh, and you want to play for that double turn. If you get that double turn, then you're uh, yeah, it's it's lawnmower time. And this is where the other Godseeker host artifact of the cameo with the Dark Prince getting an extra command point um, again kind of stacks up and gets those extra command points. Where are you spending them? So you you mentioned that you're hungry for command points. Where are you spending them? Well, the keeper the keeper has an ability that lets uh, pick any slash uh, holy within twelve unit holy within twelve. You get to fight again, pile in and fight again. So that you can make those chariots go again. You can make Shalaxi go again. You make the keeper itself go again. I mean, that's three gone in one combat round. So, so you, so you, uh, so you want to keep those command points up your sleeve, not spend them on rerolling charges unless you have to, right? Like if I've got a keeper of secrets that failed my charge. I'm going to want yeah. to spend that because even though it might reduce you one dub, one less double pile in by not being in combat, um, I'm going to be probably shot at. I'm going to be like, I'm, I'm in for a bad time potentially. Yeah, failing charges just on Ash is, uh, it's not nice because you really need those command points for the double pile in. Definitely, it's uh, if you roll those double ones for going in, it's a, it's a bad time. Definitely, yes. So first priority for command points is going to be the charging. Uh, if you fail the charge, the second priority is going for that double pile-in. So the more command points you've got to double pile-in, uh, the more chaos and depravity you're going to be generating on the table. Yep. So you, and the locus comes into it as well in what you're selecting what to do. So if you get the locus off, then you've got a bit of a free reign. Um, but yeah, you want to you select first where you don't get your locus off, and then uh, go in with it, go with whatever, whatever units there, and then uh, hopefully they don't do enough to hurt your keeper. Go again. That's uh, that's what you want to prioritize. Any other comments that you would make on this God Seeker list? Uh, yeah, it's been fun. I've only had the one game with it so far. I played Seraphon, and uh, I won that game. Well, that was my opponent's first uh, game with his Seraphon, and. Um, yeah, I got to say those uh, Bastilodons, three damage to demons, uh, not good, not good. No, there's actually not a lot of de There's not a lot of those builds out there. They've all gone down the Salamander build, but yeah, uh, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but I don't feel bad for Seraphon at all. I'm actually cheering Slanesh here. I never yeah. thought I'd, never thought I'd see the day where I'm cheering. Like, yeah, that's not cool. Um, <laughs> no, it was horrible. Well, he basically he made the mistake. He made the mistake. He shot one keeper and did twelve wounds to it with one Bastilodon, and then he was like, "Nah, I'll just shoot your chariot." Fluffed it, and the keeper healed up six wounds from the uh, from the healing spells, and then he got to double pile in with Shalaxi, and uh, yeah, it was GG from there. Yeah, I don't, feel, so, I don't feel sorry for him. Uh, that was your oh, first it's horrible. List. It's horrible. It's horrible. No, I don't who, feel who made that rule? <laughs> Bastilodon rule one plus armor save. No, no sympathy for them. The next list you've got for me is the Invaders host. So very similar to the last list. Uh, we'll, we'll go over some of the rules first to kind of put into context uh, why we've taken the list that we've taken. So Invaders host, if uh, an, an Invaders host army can have up to three generals instead of one. It's a very interesting mechanic. 
only one of the generals, your choice, can have a command trait, but all three are considered to be the general for the purposes of using command abilities. However, in an invader's host general, so however, an invader's host general cannot use a command trait or command ability while they are within 12 inches of another friendly invader's host general. In addition, each time one of your generals is slain for the first time, you receive one extra command point. All right, there's a lot to unpack there. So first off, I get three generals instead of one. Why is that important? Um, just a caveat, this is the uh, lurid haze in uh, invaders, which is a little bit different oh. as well. Where's that coming from? Have I got the wrong rules up? So that that is from the Wrath of the Everchosen. Oh, hashtag fail. I thought I was being really smart. <laughs> I, I just read Invader Toast. All right, ignore that. I'm going to go straight to the Well, list it still there. counts. It's still part right. of it. It's still right. part right. of it. So, yeah, the three generals, I mean, it, sound, it sounds better than it actually is. Again, you're generally fighting with heroes. And uh, although in this list, not too bad because uh, there's a – there's a couple of solid uh, melee units that are pretty useful for uh, passing battle shock within twelve and whatnot. So uh, yeah, it's not too bad. It's not too bad, but it's 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 not as important as it seems. All right. Well, what what else do you get? Because okay, see so the list that you have taken is not Invaders Host. You have taken one from the Wrath of the Ever Chosen book, which is the Lurid Haze Invaders Host. So it's a little yes. bit different. Yes. So tell yes, me more. Tell me more. What, what, do I, what do I get for being a lurid haze? So the lurid haze. Now this is where I've come up with this this list to sort of counter the current meta with Slanesh, uh, and it comes down to this main two main abilities. Uh, the main ability is after you complete after you complete setup, but uh, before the first battle round, you can roll a d a d three. You take that many units off the board. And reset them up again within six of the uh, as an ambush. So nine away from your enemy, six on the board edge. So this lets you basically have a free teleport. The turn one, take D three units off the board. D three teleport. Yes. Okay. Wow. Yes, and when we start it. looking, at, and 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 to ruin Christmas for anyone on the podcast because the the YouTubers can see this. In this list, you have Bellacor, you've got Archeon, you have Chaos, Lord, Chaos Sorcerer Lord, you have a Keeper of Secrets. So you haven't got the six, you've gone four. Um, and I wonder which D3 you would be taking off the board. Well, if you scroll down, there's uh, the best charging uh, unit in the game in the... Uh... In the uh, lower units there. All right, Luke spoiled Christmas. So we've also got twenty Chaos <laughs> Marauders, twenty Chaos Marauders, five Hell Striders with with uh, claw spears. No battalion coming in at nineteen sixty. A little bit more wounds with ninety seven wounds. So uh, before we go into actual unit selection, is there any other rules that you get other yep. than the D three um, units that can be put into reserve? Is it reserve yeah, so or the, the, is it reserve or teleport? Oh, it's a reserve. It's reserve. So okay. they come in. They come in. They come in on the edge on your first turn, essentially. But it's only the first turn. Ah, uh, it has to be first turn. So you can't keep them in reserve turn, for a couple yes. of rounds. Okay, it has to so. be first turn. Um, which because it's a seven drop can make your uh, opponent think twice about giving you the first turn as well. Uh, but 
the other fantastic role about this uh, battalion is the command ability that any uh, hero can use. And that is, you can give yourself, in combat, plus one armor save. So, the big fella is now rocking a two plus armor save. The Chaos Sorcerer Lord, uh, his ability, Holy Within 12, pick a, uh, pick a Slaves to Darkness unit, which is Arch. He uh, can now reroll all his armor saves. So, he's now got a two plus armor save in combat. It's actually not armor saves as well. He actually gets to reroll his ward save as well. It says reroll all saves. Oh. So now, so now Archeon has a two plus save in combat, rerolling his saves and rerolling mortal wound saves on a four plus as well. You are a mean person. It's nasty. It's absolutely horrendous. And uh, the the. Basically, the tax of the battalion is the keeper has to take the command trait. Well, let's you reroll run rolls of units holding in 12, and it gets plus one wounds. So the keeper goes up to 15 wounds. Uh, That's feverish anticipation. Yes, feverish anticipation and oil of exaltation gives plus one wound to the keeper. Plus one to its wound rolls? Yes. Okay. So it's got 15 wounds. And uh, the keeper, again, is Archeon's buddy. Uh, so also the Chaos Sorcerer Lord has a spell that lets uh, you reroll all hits and wounds. I was get just, it off. I was just looking that up. So that's the this, the progeny of damnation. So if you get everything going your way, Archeon will have exploding sixes because he's in Slanesh. He will reroll all hits and wounds. He will have a two plus armor save rerolling, and he will also have a four plus ward rerolling. So uh, and with Slanesh, he will, with the Keeper of Secrets, he will double pile in. And uh, if you get off his ability on himself as well, if he dies, he'll pile in again. So three times piling in Archeon, potentially re-rolling everything is going to ruin anybody's day. And we were worried about Grizzle Gore double piling in Terrorgeist. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he laughs at Terrorgeist, this fella. Gosh. All right. That's the role of the Keeper of Secrets. Let's go up to Bellacore first. So Bellacore is an ally. So why why did we bring in Bellacore, especially as an ally? And do you lose anything by being an ally? He he does not. He is not Slanesh. So he does not explode on sixes. You cannot summon from him. Um, He has has his rule. And this is uh, basically save your bacon if things go astray, or if you do face uh, a shooting army. Um, shout out to you, Kron. And uh, he. Uh, <laughs> this is you can turn we, a terrain. We basically, yeah, basically we, we, make a terrain piece block line of sight. No, no, he, he makes something. Bellacore makes something. Not be able to. Uh, shoot, fire, charge. And, That's right. Uh, on a do five? On a five plus, they yes. must roll. Yeah, they must roll a five plus if they do absolutely anything. Move. Um, so this covers you. So at the start of the game, you get to take off D3 units. If your opponent uh, wants to let you do that, you can uh, you can take the Archeon off. You can take what, whatever you manage to roll. You send the Marauders in. And then on their turn, you can activate Bellicor because he's whatever... What, it really, really challenges your opponent if they deploy badly. If they deploy badly, and then you bellicore the, their counter unit, 
then that's it. They can't get in, they can't fight, and they've just lost an entire flank. And if they double turn, you're no big deal. You've just lost 40 marauders. Now you've got a chance at a double turn with, say, Archeon or anything else. You've got uh, the keeper running up the table. So it's a real catch-22, and it can get in people's heads. And plus, obviously, even if you lose 20 marauders, you can always summon back 20, um, 20 yeah, demons. Yeah, you, you, you probably have the depravity to generate a whole bunch of um, bodies. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, don't get the Marauders wrong. They, they kick out – 20 Marauders kick out some serious damage. They're not a joke. Uh, why, why have you got them? Because they do kick – you've taken them not because of their damage-dealing potential. You've taken them for the movement shenanigans, which yes. uh, I don't think a lot of people ha- – they've heard about it, but they probably haven't really – thought about it or experienced yeah. it. And, it, and it's it's silly it is silly it but is it's a, it's a rule so talk me through the marauders so when the marauders charge they get plus one to charge inertly from their drummer and when they charge they get to cha- change the lowest dice to a six automatically so you can only fail on a double one if you set up without within nine i first saw this with the slaves to darkness they've got a teleport spell in their list that lets you teleport generally someone will teleport four marauders and then they'll they'll go in with the marauders and they'll dev- devastate something. Maybe they'll have the chaos war shrine on. I'm not sure, but it just caught my eye with this the lurid haze, and I thought we'll take D3 units off. I mean, making nine inch charges is sketchy at the best of times, but the marauders, on the other hand, that's a guaranteed charge pretty much every time you do it, and you're getting into what you need to get into. You're causing havoc at the start of the game. And uh, just forces your opponent to set up differently. Maybe even take the first turn himself. Yeah, pinning, coming on the side of the board and pinning your opponent. And I, I played um, back back in the day, a few years ago, I played with um, Legions of Night, which is a sub-allegiance of the Legions yeah. of Nagash. And one of the benefits of Manfred's Legion of Night was you could take D three, you could take three units, and have them in reserve for I think it was four rounds. So it plays in a very similar similar way. But the challenge that I always had was that um, you had to deploy them on any side of the board so long it was within six inches of the board edge, and yeah. and, and you had to be have nine inches away between between you and your opponent. So yep. it forced you to get any because because a, a nine inch charge is like a seventy five percent chance of failure, yeah, um, which is huge, right? Like people underestimate how hard it is to do a nine it's inch not charge. Easy. It's I not easy. Night, I, yeah, I mean, I played Night Haunt before this, and it was all about the nine inch charges. So I know how hard it is. It's not. It's not easy. It doesn't happen often. It's really hard. So so for me to get that in my Legions of Night, I had to either get Chronomatic Cogs, get plus two to the, two to the charge. I needed yep. my uh, my Morgast, the Harbringers that have a D three D say three three D six charge. There was very few ways that I could get consistency in a Terrorgeist or a Zombie unit or a Skeleton unit or a Vargeist unit to get a nine inch charge. But by you being able to do that through the Marauders and and basically guarantee the charge is hugely beneficial. It means you pin your opponent and they can't go and score the objectives or you're able to completely control one part of the board while the rest of your army and, you know, like let's say Archeon. Archeon's about to rain terror on part of the board. The thing that's going to kind of go hunt Archeon, you could pin them with literally what, a 
less than 200 point unit is pinning Archeon with a guaranteed move. That's crazy good. Yeah, it's uh, and not only that, it lets me. I played a Cities of Sigmar Army on the third game, and uh, he set up in the most defensive formation right at the back of the board, and the Marauders came on the side, straight into the handgunners, straight into the archers, just, yeah, just devastated him straight away. Shooting list, this is the way around the shooting list. And, uh, yeah, it just gives you so much versatility. And even if you just want to tag them, tag their, their line at the start, it just throws their entire turnout and uh, puts them on the back foot straight away yeah that's neat that's really neat um Arche so we know where bellicor's there bellicor's there is um that that ability to make a unit have to do anything there's a restriction on like what it, what it can and can't do but basically it has to roll a five plus in order to do its thing and you roll that every phase. So if it, you know, you might fail the move, but you know, it might come to combat and you, you know, you, you keep rolling those five pluses. We've got the big bad. We've got Archeon the Ever Chosen, 800 points. That is just under one half of your army going in. What is Archeon bringing? So I, we've, we've heard about the, the, the two up after the, the, two, the two plus armor save with the four plus, uh, so four up, so two plus armor save. Four plus after save with the reroll. Um, what else is Archeon bringing to the table? So he's just clutch, and uh, there's moments in the game when you're playing a good player, and uh, for instance, in the last game, Rat Trap comes down, traps everything. I cannot move anything if that Rat Trap's there. It's a hard thing to dispel naturally. You talk about the the the, uh, the the vortex, the, um, the vortex, yeah, fire vortex, uh, the. Uh, Scave, the Skaven, the Skaven the Vault, yeah. The Warp Lightning Vortex. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the most horrible end of the spell in the game. It's disgusting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just that ability to just go, no, sorry, that's gone. Take it away, take it away. Ignoring the magic on a 4+, plus. fantastic. Someone's got to do something clutch. No, not today, sorry. And uh, obviously, I don't need to go on about his destructive potential. If he's re-rolling everything... Getting exploding sixes and a two plus save, he's he's an absolute tank. And don't, uh, question not, for you: Are you using his command ability that allows him to yes. to know to know who takes priority? Oh no, that is only in Slaves to Darkness. Does not work in Slash. Uh, STD one. It does not. Well, I wish it did, but it doesn't. Um, no. Uh, I, I was he thinking that was. A, I was thinking that was just a war scroll. Uh, no, no. What's beautiful about him though is he counts as a Slanesh hero, so he generates depravity. So he's got twenty wounds, so that's nineteen depravity. That's nineteen depravity in the bank already, and uh, he dishes it out. He kills anything just about in the game. He's a depravity machine, so he's he's there butchering away, and he's got his he's got his own ability. You should just you just put it on him just in case you know somebody comes in and kills him, and he gets to fight again. That's more depravity. More in the bank. The keeper makes him fight piling and fight twice. Yeah, he's just a monster. He's an absolute yeah, he's monster. Just, it, it, it will take, you know, it might cost you 800 points, but in most armies, it's probably very few. Um, most armies will spend more than 800 points trying to handle Archeon, and it will ruin people's strategies. So it is the, I, the, the definition of a uh, distraction card effects, just something that you put on the table and 
most opponents will have to deal with it in some way. You can't just ignore Archeon because it's just going to do damage. It's just going to ruin yeah. your day. The thing, the thing that really, because I've run him a few times before, and he does die. He dies, but the Chaos Sorcerer Lord, the ability rerolling your saves with the two plus save, he's not dying. He just didn't die. I don't think he died in a single game played in the last five game tournament. What are you most scared of with Archeon? Like, what what is going to kill Archeon? Um, what what, is it, what what do you have to watch out for, or what is more likely to kill Archeon than not kill Archeon? Um, Nagash, Nagash has taken him out a couple of times. Um, look, mass a mass attack uh, from a very good unit uh, will take him out. Fire Slayer is a massive unit of Hearthguard. Obviously, they're That'll super soft. durable as well, right? So yeah, they're going to cut yeah. me and do a whole bunch of mortal wounds, and they're just as durable. So Fire Slayers, your Hearthguard Berserkers, and things. Yep, they'll sort him out. Um, Really, KO would KO with their long range shooting with high well, range damage. Yeah. yeah, the last game of the tournament I played, um, Can Cron, yeah, the old the old Cron, he threw everything into him, and uh, this is where Bellacore came in handy. He had uh, 20 Thunderers ready to just blow him off the table. We've played quite a few times, me and Cron, and he's blown him off the table every time, but Bellacore came in clutch. Couldn't fire the thunders, and he left Archeon on one wound. <sighs> yep, and uh, priority goes my way, and he gets to come in and smack that boat up. So uh, yeah, it's uh, Ko is something to be scared. Look, I think everyone's going to be scared of shooting in the recent months to come once we get uh, up and running again with tournament yeah. season. I Luminef. imagine things like maybe Salamanders, your Lumineth, uh, maybe your Phoenix Guard again. They're pretty durable. Probably not as combaty. They're not as combaty as your Hearthguard Berserkers, but they are quite durable. And even bogging down Archeon, you know, with a unit of Phoenix Guard, yeah, is Feed just as valuable. Yeah, it is just as valuable. Just tying it up with a a cheap, you know, sixty grots, you know, forty skeletons, um, and keeping him away from other things. If you really want to stop him, use the terrain to your advantage because that pie plate is not <laughs> he's not good for getting him around. If you've got if there's lots of bodies everywhere, you just can't get in anywhere. Can't mm -hmm. move. It's hard to get in places. Yeah. Uh, utilize the, the size of his base. It's difficult. It's difficult for him to get places. Yeah, it, 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 it yeah. It, it is hard. Like you look at Alario, you look at Archeon with such big bases, you've got to really think about even getting a three inch, getting your pile in, right? It can be very difficult with terrain, with, you know, screens. So um, think about how, and I guess I'm highlighting this because if you are going to, you know, invest 800 points, you need to know the, the, the damage dealing potential. You need to know how much damage it can, it can kind of take. And how to start thinking about making the most of your significant investment. Because it's not a throwaway unit. 800 points is no. a big investment. No, it's a big investment. And I've looked a lot into a lot of his builds in uh, Khan and uh, Slaves to Darkness. And I just think the fact, because he's got a 5 plus make your fight last as well, because he's a Slanesh hero. He gets to fight last. He gets the exploding sixes. He gets to summon from him as well. I just think he runs. This is the this for me. I cannot think of a better way to run him in any list, in any other faction at all. I think this is 
my opinion, the best Archeon you can run in the game. Yeah, I would maybe challenge you with a Zench Archeon with the Destiny dice up his sleeve, possibly, but yeah, possibly uh, yeah. potentially. But I think you know, uh, definitely, definitely stronger than say a Corn one, probably even a Nurgle one. I'd say definitely Slanish is up there, uh, at minimum top two, if not top. Yeah, look, I forgot about the the Destiny dice are cheat, aren't they? So uh, I mean, yeah, all, yeah, I, I've seen some pretty crazy stuff, and you get the right dice, the Destiny dice roll, and just by guaranteeing things with Archeon, then you know, yeah, yeah your opponent yeah. be a bad time. Fair enough, fair enough with that call, fair enough. Um, but in terms of uh, what he can do with the summoning, better summoning, exploding yeah. sixes, um, de uh, depravity generation, yeah, he's he's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Goodness. We talked about the two, the two units of 20 Chaos Marauders. The only question I've got for you is any reason why you wouldn't take a, a bigger block of 40? So I tried with the 40 uh, with a couple of this before. And the problem is, again, it's um, getting them on the board with the, uh, with the uh, six inch away. Half the unit cannot get in with that spell, even with a 13 inch charge or whatever. Can't get in, and uh, it's just a bit. You, you just want more spread, you know. If you want to leave one back on an objective, they still do the same amount of damage in a twenty as a forty as well. Okay, you only have to kill one to knock them down from their end, but it's just it's just uh, more maneuverable. And with the with the coming on the side of the board edge, that's that, that's that was better. It just it just seemed better. Forty. 40 all clumped together was just, no, nah, it just didn't seem to work. It, it makes sense. If, if you could hold them off the board for two, three, four rounds when you've got better body control, when uh, things are dying, I think you're right. 40 makes sense. But because you have to bring it on in the first turn, then, um, yeah, that makes sense, having just a small unit to bring them on, being a harasser, do some damage, but not necessarily bog them down and just do absolute terror because that's where the keeper of secrets that's where archeon come to come to the table yeah it's really about uh kind of a, a sort of philosophy we're playing slanesh was sort of pick a flank and move along it move down it or look look for your uh multiple wound you know where where you're going to get your depravity from and you can use that marauder unit to come on make them sort of come one way if they send the wrong unit over you bellicore it and then you head over there with the keeper and Archeon and just mop up. You've sent them where you want them to go. You make them go where you want them to go. Finally, you've got the five Hellstriders. And by the way, you know, as we mentioned earlier, if you don't have Archeon, you don't want to run Archeon, you know, you could you could apply a very similar strategy with uh, taking those points and putting on two Keepers of Secrets, for example. Um, yeah. There's other ways you can build around this. You could put down three or four of those lawnmowers, again, for the same price. But I think you're right. Collapsing the flank, harassing, having some of that sideboarding shenanigans. Um, this is this is great. Age of Sigmar is not a combat game; it is a movement game. Um, Absolutely. So being able to you know dictate the terms of battle. Even I remember the when I played Legion of Night, half the victory was a psychological battle for my opponents, worrying where I'm going to come yeah, on exactly. the board. Um, and they would hold back units from moving forward because they wanted to, you know, screen the backs. They would stretch their units out as far as they could to kind of stop uh, me coming on from the side. So the way that they moved their army out was different 
than if I didn't sideboard. So that in itself can play to the strengths of then Archeon and other things coming down the table because opponents are going to be stretched. It's going to be harder to be yeah. in buff ranges. It's going to be um, easier for you to, to, to be outside of inspiring presence, all that type of stuff. Yeah, 100% right. And uh, it is a game about movement. And if you can stretch your opponent into deploying differently than they would, they're worried about the Marauders. Um, then if they go after the Marauders, they're going to get countered by... You know, they've got to send something decent to deal with the Marauders. They're not a pushover. And they're um, only 100, They're only 160 oh, points. They're, it's disgusting only, how good they are. It's disgusting no, how good... They but even if they put so much focus into the Marauders, you just shrug and go, so what, 160 yeah, points? Who cares? Uh, that, that, you just that, wasted. That's what just I paid wasted for. two turns. <laughs> well, that, yeah, correct. And that's what I paid for in my last list for Supreme Saberites. That one battalion was the equivalent of, of this unit. So cool. Good for yes. you. Yeah, yeah, good on you. And now I've just, and then that, that's, that's what I mean. You're low on wounds. You just cap some more objectives that they would have been capping. So uh, there you go. And then finally got the five Hell Striders with Claw Spears. Um, I imagine they're bringing speed. They're bringing, what, they're a harasser. They're an objective scorer. Yeah, I, I, look, because of the points increases, I used to take three units of five with their battalion, which is fantastic. Um, but it, it, it's just pushed them over the edge, sort of, that the Marauders are now a better choice, especially in this list. They're very good at, uh, the, the, for anyone who doesn't know, the battalion lets them pile in six and fight. But you don't fight with them. You just pile them into 2.98 inches and just tag a unit. And just just to draw things in, you want to be drawing things where you want things to where the keepers are or where Archeon is or where your good stuff is. And, uh, yeah, they're great for that. And they get across the board, 20-inch move on a run, tag an objective for you. They'll do work. They'll, they'll score you some points. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, mo again, most of your points are going into the heroes, which, uh, again, is no surprise for a slanish army. I like your lists. I think they're pretty cool. Um, I probably should have done my research a little better because I saw Invader Host, and I'm like, cool, I'll bring up my Invader Host rules. But turns out there's a whole bunch of – and that's probably a really nice call, is that slanish is not just here, nuts of slanish. You have Beasts of Chaos slanish. You have Wrath of the Everchosen of Slanish. You have Slaves to Darkness Slanish. So, so very much like me with my Cities of Sigma, where I can I can put in Stormcast and KO and and Deep, and there's so much I can bring in. Slanish, anything can be marked Slanish from you know Slaves to Darkness. There is a Beast of Chaos Battalion that marks yep. the the Beast of Chaos as Slanish. So brave drove, yeah. The depraved drove. So no matter which way you want to build, there is there is something for you. And I think what I enjoyed about this, Luke, is you showed off two different examples that are different from what we knew in General's Handbook 2019 that people can now start thinking about when tournaments resume, when things kind of go around, how do I handle the meta? We've now heard some really good ideas of, right, I'm, I'm, I'm being harassed by long-range shooting. Well, here's an example of how I can put some stuff on the side of the board and avoid that. Um, I'm being, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having magic is dominating the meta. You know, Techless and and Croak are doing something. Cool. Here's a different way around it. Well, this is how I could potentially uh, reach out and maybe do those challenges with Shaleski and um, start chipping away mortal wound damage while I'm kind of coming up the board. Yeah. Look, 
don't get me wrong, the keeper list is still um, viable. It's just not as powerful as it once was, I don't think. It has been hurt a lot from the the nerfs, and uh, a lot of people, you know, I still like to bring out four keepers now and again just for a good game, but I just think there's so much more to it. I've even, I was even looking the other day, Varengard, I mean, they, they get all the abilities. You can buff them up the same way as, you know, they'd be scary. They'd be pretty scary piling in twice. Uh, as with the Slanesh exploding sixes, they'd be pretty scary in, uh, as well. So there's a whole wealth that you can go through. And I think it's not the end for Slanesh. Uh, a lot of people are a bit salty about it, myself included. But uh, no, there's lists there that uh, can be very competitive, in my opinion. All I'll say is you literally have a box set coming very soon, as if Games Workshop is going to release a Slanesh box set that is going to let you be rubbish. Uh, I guarantee you you're... You will be uh, you will be middle of the pack for like two months when literally no one's running tournaments, and then as soon as tournaments come back up, oh look, Slanesh is now amazing! Surprise! <laughs> Your time in the darkness is very short. Yes, yes, yes. I think so. Final question for you before we wrap this up, because this has been really valuable, and I appreciate your time. Is what have you learned with all of your experience, all of your times playing at the top? You know, you have done some really great performances in the tournament scene. What have you learned over your time that may not be as obvious uh, to a newer player or an inexperienced player by running Slanesh? And I imagine depravity points might be yeah. one that it takes time for you to learn. But what else have you learned with your experience? Okay. It comes back to that 28 depravity uh, I mentioned at the start. You're looking for two two units of demonettes towards the ends of the game to cap objectives. Now, this means a lot of a lot of people I've seen play Sunesh, they just run forward. They just run forward and go, 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 go. You don't have to do that. You don't have to play for the double turn. Don't get suckered in. You just need that 30 depravity by turn three or four. Play the mind games. Um you know, pull pull your opponent where you want them to go. Go where you want to go. And uh, d just don't run off straight away. It's so tempting to go in with your big keepers straight away. But trust me, it doesn't always work. And they whiff. They can whiff. And uh, you'll be facing a bit of a bad time. So, yeah, I would say be patient. Be patient with them. You're looking to win on turn four and five. And that's my that's my experience with Sunesh. You're looking to win the late game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, protecting your heroes, I think you're right. Going in and trying to smash your opponent, you are a glass cannon. You, you're you not Iron Jaws. You don't take the punch as well as you give the no. punch. Um, so the minute that uh, – and uh, there's been plenty of times as well where um, that's happened against me, and a lot of my armies I run are one-wound units. So they're running around, and you're not generating a lot of depravity. So – if you have a Keeper of Secrets going into, let's say, the unit of Phoenix Guard or a unit of Grots, uh, you are literally not generating depravity yeah. points. So by holding back and being smart, um, you've got everything to gain and nothing to lose. But if you run into my Grots and you kill 60 Grots, cool. And I do half, I don't yeah, know, yeah. I do a bunch of wounds to you. So what? You generated no depravity. Yeah. Don't run into 60 Grots. <laughs> it's a terrible matchup for a Keeper. Yeah, You'll take it off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah, like yeah. It, it, just be smart with your decisions. Don't yeah. don't just run in for the sake of running in. Uh, and be be smart where you run in yeah. as well. You'll lose you'll lose more if you're not thinking about what where you're going, uh, looking for your depravity, 
looking where where can you as your opponent made a, a mistake with moving somewhere they shouldn't uh look at look at screening off as well screen i mentioned the hell striders they're a great screening unit as well for your keepers um even if you just get the three inch attack over the top make them fight last yeah you've got you've got to be smart it's a smart army i'll say that 100 percent. and you know even with one of your lists where the keeper could fly um flying over screens and getting into that juicy center is worth the patience as well so um yes like learn learn your base size and be smart about it as well that's that can get you into some some really juicy targets where you can do some damage uh and where you want to do damage yeah yeah and uh i'll just say it's a new if you're a new player just build uh 20 30 demonettes and never ever take them as core never take them as your core keep them in the toolbox you want that's to summon it. them put them in put them in the back put them in and the boot and at Sesame Street, we always have a letter and a number. The number of today is 28. <laughs> That's the one, 28. Awesome. Luke, this has been awesome. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I hope people who listen to this have um, a new appreciation or, or a bit more motivated to pick up their Slanesh. I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I didn't think it was doom and gloom, but I think you've shown off a few examples where we can start building in some new lists, some new ideas to get the most out of our book. We do have reinforcements along the way. Who knows? Maybe an updated book's coming. Who knows what this new Herald that's in the box set does. Uh, don't forget, we've got Slaves of Darkness. You've got Wrath of the Everchosen. You've got Beasts of Chaos. You've got so much to draw from. The Dark Prince is is not going away. No. deprived as ever <laughs> He's deprived as ever if people wanted to talk to you luke and i didn't actually ask you this question beforehand but if people wanted to talk to you are you on social media can people find you anywhere uh or do they just uh have to yeah uh, prick uh, so themselves next to the thane <laughs> prick yourself next to the friend definitely that'll summon me <laughs> say my name three times um yeah yeah i'm on twitter i've got a, i've got a just a war on it warhammer accounts called uh, how many wounds uh and you'll see a little uh little white rose flag there and uh yeah that's it really on facebook just my name that's me if anybody wants to get in touch and pretty active in the south australian scene and uh i was really getting into the tournament scene until you know the apocalypse happened but uh yeah as soon as it's over uh, i'll be back into it that's right. Nurgle can have its time now, but Slanesh yes. is coming back. So we'll and I'll and I'll put the uh the your Twitter handle in the, the show description when this goes up on YouTube. So people can chat to you more and share ideas. I'm sure people want to talk to you about your lists and maybe share some of their own advice and thoughts around what they're doing. And uh the dark prince can rise again. So absolutely, absolutely. Luke, this is awesome. Uh thank you very much for your time. And I'm gonna end the broadcast by saying, go the Bulldogs. <laughs> Go the bunnies. <laughs> so you might.